0: DIY sound library what's up we're back yet again this Friday with another one and today I actually had the pleasure of interviewing my previous professor from college named Jason Rook Um, this guy has been instrumental to me in my uh, journey here with music especially when it comes to the engineering side and also the recording side and mixing and just your general my general principles about music and how I create a record Um, Jason's been there from the beginning and he essentially taught me everything I know so I credit a lot of the things I've learned and some of the things I even teach here to Jason himself so I'm really excited to have him on and to show you guys how he's become successful because he does music full time this is his thing he loves this stuff but not only that like he works with a bunch of industry professionals at the highest levels working with really big record labels and artists And, you know, he works in all aspects of audio doing more than just music. You know, he creates his own records, but he also records other bands and artists and different genres. And he does Foley and sound design and film score and all kinds of stuff with audio. So he really is a true professional. And so his experience and what he's gone through with music in the industry is really important and crucial for us to at least hear from. A lot of us are kind of new and getting into this music scene and trying to figure out how to make our own sounds, our own records. He's been there since the analog days all the way up to now with the digital uh, do-it-yourself type stuff. So he's seen it all, and he really has a grasp on how the studio works and how to navigate things. And yeah, so here's our conversation. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I mean, a lot of the stuff I learned was directly from you, so.
1: (laughs) Cool, I'm glad, man.
0: And I'm I'm grateful and also just excited to hear your opinion on things, so. Cool. Uh, let's see, how did you exactly get started in the music scene and and recording and engineering and all that?
1: Well, uh, man, right out of high school, I started making records, you know, kind of the same um, as everybody else. I was in a band uh, for a few years and then we ended up getting a record deal and then that's how it became my living and I traveled all over playing in this sort of uh, female-fronted, industrial, goth rock kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it would almost be like, like The Cure meets like Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie stuff, but that was before Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie was sort of a household name or even maybe doing it. Um, it was very dark material, a lot of electronics, but real drummer, mm-hmm. um, incorporated with loops and things like that. Um, I played guitar. We had a synth player, a bass player and a vocalist and stuff was really dark really melancholy some of it was really abrasive um very theatrical so mm-hmm. we uh you know got sent to uh make a record from the record company and our manager and uh i ended up making a record with jim forbes who is uh been you know i've been working with him now for 25 years uh we made a record with him and um you know that's sort of I love the process of making a record and it was in the days where nobody saw the inside of the studio unless you had a million dollar budget. It was some secretive thing. There was no uh, there wasn't any schools. You know, there was one school, I think, for recording and it was Full Sail. But at the time it was called Rock and Roll University. It wasn't even called Full Sail. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was the same thing. It was like people didn't even know what it was like music producer, music engineer. what What is that? So right. I started doing the, uh, you know, we, we made the record. We made, we, you cut 20 songs to get sort of 12. And it probably took about two months to make a record. And we were there, you know, every day, 12, 12 hours a day minimum. And uh, I really liked sort of the fact of the studio stuff and um, being able to be in everybody's kind of band. And I, I don't know, it was interesting to me, all the electronics. It was sort of uh, this dark art, this mystery, because there was... No, no magazines, there wasn't the internet or YouTube, and nobody can get a peek behind the curtain, so I really dug it, and, uh, you know, we got done making the record. During the record, Jim and I became sort of really friendly, and I started helping out. He said, oh, you got a really good ear for things, and I, I helped with the, I don't want to say helped with the mixing, but I helped sort of co-produce it and kind of you know said what I wanted I programmed all the drum machines even though we had a real drummer we had some drum loops and stuff and you couldn't go and buy loops there was no loop site so we had all these synths and drum machines so I started programming those and this was all to tape there was no computer in the studio or anything so it was all done in real time playing drum machine like stuff live like not even sequenced and so you know I did all that stuff and uh Said uh, he said you want to hang around and I hung around there for years and years and years with him and we worked on a lot of big records because uh, he was sort of a well-known engineer and would get a lot of record label stuff and I just cut my teeth there as a tape operator and um you know assistant engineer and ran sessions and just sort of like this natural progression um, so yeah that's how I got into it um, yeah I I'd rather sit in the studio than. Believe it or not, travel with the band. Although that was fun and exciting, after a while, it, it wasn't. And it was really kind of cool just to meet people and, and make records and share that thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I love it all, but I just love the process of creating this beautiful art of a record. And right. every every part from the beginning to the end, I love. It's so awesome. Um it is. and so I remember I remember in class with you, you said you eventually started to work with shelly yakis um can you explain a little bit about any of Mm -hmm. that at all and how that maybe is different than the way things are today with recording and making a record
1: well it's weird because i I don't really know how things are today in one sense because i sort of make records like i always made them and, and how we had to make them is uh getting the perfect sound at the source in the room correctly and not really worrying about you know how can i fix it or how can i do whatever it was sort of like capturing the magic in the room and the magic came from everyone right so it was like the band had to be on and the synergy had to be good uh because you could tell when a band was sort of you know when there was a member not really you know, contributing anymore? Some bad blood, let's say you can yeah. hear it in the record. I mean, we could all hear records and said that's their last record. That magic is gone, right? Like the brotherhood sort of is gone. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you know, Shelley was uh, met him through Jim. You know, and uh, we did a lot of stuff. Like, uh, I mean, he was responsible for you know everything from uh, Fleetwood Mac records to um, Tom Petty to uh, um, like some Led Zeppelin stuff to, I mean, just all the classics. All the, I mean, he was probably the widely most respected engineer and, and may still be today. Um, you know, he, he's an incredible talent. He was from here, Cherry Hill. Uh, he had a place in Philadelphia called Tongue and Groove, and um. You know, a lot of big records were made there. And um, Shelly's a real humble guy, real cool guy. Uh, He has a place called Aftermaster right now, right outside of Los Angeles. I believe his partner is Justin Timberlake. Um, They're doing a lot of of movie stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, mastering. I mean, still mastering records, but I know they're doing a lot of movie stuff as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the process to me has always been the same. Uh, Great players, great room. Great miking techniques, uh, matching the mics with the preamps, matching the preamps to the vibe and what kind of sound you're supposed to get. Good arrangement, because no matter how great of a mixer you are, if the song isn't arranged properly, you can't do anything with it, right? It's a it's a conversation, like a tennis match, going you know back and forth. And if too many people are talking or too much stuff is chaotic at once, your your skill doesn't really matter it's the song should be able to be performed and stripped down to just acoustic guitar or piano still have soul and still feel full and so yeah. i make records like that now i know a lot of people who rely on a lot of stuff um and, and i'm not against it you know i'm not like this old grumpy guy that's against drum samples and all this stuff i find stuff interesting they're just tools sometimes mm-hmm. you need different tools to make things sound better But I think um, today is different where um, there's too many, too much AI, right? Like anyone can get their hand on a program for 200 bucks, say, oh, yeah, I I record. And they don't, I don't know, there's a difference. Uh, They're not really into it. So it's like
0: the musicianship is gone. Yeah, the
1: musicianship is is gone, right? And, And it seems today that everybody needs a title. To feel good about themselves (laughs) so i'm a producer i'm a this i'm like i don't know just just do music like like it's to me there's people that say i'm a producer and really they're a beat maker there's nothing wrong with just being a beat maker be the best beat maker that you can (laughs) do something different than what people are doing but the title really doesn't um you know the i I don't know sometimes i think the 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 title makes people sort of like, um, how can I explain it? Um, it's like
0: an ego thing, really.
1: Yeah, like they'll, they'll, maybe they feel important. Maybe they'll feel like they can get in a, a better circle of people mm-hmm. where if you're just cool in yourself, like, come on in. Like, I'd rather really work for people or with people that have no idea what's going on. Uh, that's, there's a magic in that, too. There's this freshness about that where they don't know all the stuff they can do, so they play really hard and play with passion.
0: Oh my gosh, you know, that's that's literally exactly how my band works. Like there's <laughs> there's things that like I'm maybe more proficient at at guitar, whereas my my friend may be like less proficient per se, but the way he just like doesn't think about it and creates these amazing like chord progressions and and like melodies that come off with the right. vocals, like he didn't have to know music theory to do that. you know it's just it just came out of him. and the fact that he didn't know that theory, made it better because it had more feel and emotion I and mean, he wasn't thinking about it you know.
1: I, I believe in that so um, yeah I, I was always a really terrible guitarist in a sense of guitar gods right but I was a pretty good songwriter and I think the same thing I, I never had lessons um, never wanted them I never wanted to mimic some old guy in a, in a lessons room <laughs> I just felt it as like here's a chunk of wood It's an extension of my soul. I'm just going to bend it and twist it and slam on it and make it feel like how I feel inside. And and really that was like, you know, same kind of thing. Like I I couldn't tell you what key I was playing in. I couldn't tell you what note I could tune the thing barely, but it didn't matter. I just knew by ear, this sounds right. Or this doesn't sound right. And that, that was sort of my style. And that's maybe too, like, uh, um maybe where a lot of like early youth started like you know we just sat in a room listening to old black sabbath records trying to mimic that stuff because black sabbath was really jazz and blues and rock and and all that stuff you learned a lot about that stuff i still think uh you know even though it seems dated i I still think uh tony iomi and stuff had still the best riffs around simplistic (laughs) but just uh timeless Yeah, (laughs) even modern bands still kind of cover Sabbath songs and Zeppelin songs it's just timeless stuff
0: yeah 100% agree and one of my the newest things that I've been kind of learning for myself is that the simpler it is like the better it is but you still want it to be different and unique and your own thing of course but you know it's almost like the more complicated things get the harder it is to understand and people don't connect with it you know
1: Yep, yep. And yeah. I think uh you know it, it's uh it's all in your hands. So even you know as soon as you pick it up and the way you play a power chord and there's a million people playing a power chord right now in their bedroom, but it's it's the energy you put in it makes it sound different. You, you know if you play with passion, if you if you have this thing about it, like you know that's that's the thing. I, you know, we're all juggling the same, you know, 12 notes, but there's some people that just put a lot into it Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what you hear out of the speaker i think you really hear that extension of your soul not so much just notes
0: right i mean that's that comes down to the performance mattering and you know musicianship falls into that too but that's not to say you have to be an amazing musician that's just to say that you're kind of playing with this feel and emotion that's coming through the instrument
1: Yep. You know, I used to see a lot of guys because, you know, I grew up, uh, I was in high school in the eighties and it was all the big shred stuff when it was really starting to first take off with shrapnel records with Billy Sheen and, you know, all these sort of, um, you know, crazy shred guys and and all that stuff. And uh, I always, you know, we always said like the best note that I've uh, played was the one I didn't play. Right. (laughs) Meaning like, knowing when to sit in the pocket and be quiet, not about, look at me. It's like a conversation. Like, if I don't have anything to say, why speak? Let someone else do the talking who has something to say. And that was always like my songwriting thing of when I played guitar, thank God it was in an industrial band because there was a lot of cool rhythmic stuff and weird sound effects and keyboards and all the stuff to fill the space. But I didn't play many riffs. It was almost like atmosphere. Like, you know, I play with a delay and a wah, a lot of bendy stuff, a lot of just sort of soundscape film score stuff, like just sort of, you know, that's what I had to say. Wasn't trying to be anybody else or flashy, just sort of emotion. And, uh, it worked out well for us. I mean, we, we made a living for a while.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, you know, making a living for music is probably a lot harder today than it used to be. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. I would say it's a lot easier and a lot harder. Right. I, I would say on the easier end, there's thousands of more opportunities and thousands of outlets that need music from fil- uh, film to television to video games and toys and everything's connected with sound and video all right um right now i could sit in my bedroom and reach a million people and get a fan base uh when i was growing up if we're playing in new york uh two months from now we drive to new york every weekend and staple flyers up so that was really the hard part i I, there's no shortcut of just reaching people and and knew who was going to look at it and you could staple flyers up and leave and someone rip them all down and you know, expensive and time consuming, but it was also a journey and an and adventure. And it was sort of, when you cared that much, it was, there was a thing about it. Um, now I think it's kind of, I don't want to say lazy, but it's, uh, it's earned differently. Yeah. Right? Like sitting behind a computer and with a click of a button, you can meet a million people versus having to have a street hustle and meet a million people face to face. Yeah. Um, But I miss that because not everyone could do it and not everyone had the hustle and it really separated the people with a hunger to do it versus just people doing it because they have nothing else to do. There there was something about getting in your car and driving two hours just to hang up a flyer in front of this shitty club. Hmm. There was, there was like, um, I don't know. There was like this, um, real like work ethic about it and real like passion like no one if i said that today to somebody like drive to new york and put up a flyer in front of this club and drive straight home they'd look at me like i'm crazy like what yeah. a time, <laughs> right but during that is where you meet people you know we used to sell cassettes out of a backpack so we would go to every concert and be peddling our band with flyers and and we would sell hundreds of demos and I think people would take a chance on music. Um, mm-hmm. There was no pre-listing. There was no, it was just like, you, you know, what do I look like? How am I dressed? Like they would base everything off the energy and the vibe
0: mm-hmm. and say,
1: I'll buy that. Now it's sort of a different way to sell music. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's based off of an energy or a vibe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, does. some of it is, you know.
0: Yeah, it's definitely very different. Um, I actually remember one of your one of your classes one day you told a story about um, there was like some giant snowstorm, and like the engineer wanted the assistant to come in, and I forget who it was, but he was like, "You know if you really wanted this job, you would drive to the studio no matter what how much snow is on the ground, you know, and like that determination is essentially what it takes to be successful, I guess, in this industry or any industry really, is like you have to just be all in. And that seems to, uh, yeah, to, to work. You do.
1: You do. And, and it's funny, uh, running, a stu- running a studio here now, it would be that same thing where there'd be a foot of snow on the ground. And I'd say to my assistant, like, are you coming in? He'd say, no, there's a foot of snow. I said, well, there's five other guys who made it here from Delaware and you're two blocks away. <laughs> right? And i said, say, man, that, that's a shame. I was going to give you like a $500 bonus if you could make it. Next thing you know, he'd show up and I'd say, that's yeah. funny how your car can make it for five hundred dollars, but uh, not for your regular pay. <laughs> but it is—it's—it's it's one sort of that determination of. I, I don't know, man. I always just wanted to be surrounded by, by the stuff. I, I love the stuff. Uh, I still walk into pawn shops and look at all the old crappy gear that I know isn't great, but just being around it, there's a a vibe about it. Guitar players, you know, it's about walking in and just like being around tons of guitars it just makes you feel better uh, yeah. at least it does for me I love being yeah. around the stuff you know yeah. even if I'm not recording or part of the project I just love being around it and around the people who like also being around it right it's definitely a, a it, it was a small community an oddball kind of thing you know nobody understood that you know um, but now it's it's kind of the cool thing, and everyone wants to be hanging around. I, I don't know how that sort of shifted over the years from it being like a nerdy, like uh, you know, you're in this sort of <laughs> TV club in high school and electronics to like now everybody's like, oh, I wish I did that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I I think it has to do with the popularity of of like modern pop and hip hop and rap, you know, like that that genre to mm-hmm. the forefront is a lot about you know producing these kind of beats and like people loved that studio vibe you know they do yeah.
1: uh we're w- working right now with um rock nation on a project um and it's a new upcoming hip-hop artist uh, he's A very good guy a very very talented guy very good guy but yeah I, I see like uh how some of his people come in and it's just a different vibe than yesteryear uh it, it's about can I get a picture in front of all the equipment? Can I get a picture in front of an award? Can I get a picture? It's like, well, what happened to just doing it for the music?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. forget
1: about the picture. Like, like why yeah. would you want a picture in front of my trophy? You didn't do anything for that. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, all the stuff really doesn't make sense
0: to me. Yeah. You
1: know? Right. It's um, just
0: for clout and for show.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, if, if I, you know, when, when, when your band wins a Grammy, right, I'd say, well, I, I knew him. Well, that doesn't mean I had anything to do with you. That was your hard work, your songwriting, your path. Like It wouldn't make sense for me to take a picture in front of your trophy. <laughs> 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 it's odd to me, right? Um, yeah. But that happens a lot.
0: Right. Yeah, it's right. funny.
1: Um,
0: um,
1: so, and, and these are guys that are signed to a pretty major label.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah it's like, dude, you're on an off nation. Uh, you're kind of doing a little bit better than I am.
0: yeah Yeah. wow um so i guess diving back into the the diy sense of things um what are the pros and cons in your opinion of doing things yourself because i think there are good and bad to to that type of thing you know there's in my opinion i think there's a lot of knowledge and and inexperience that could be a bad thing and a lot of maybe productivity and creativity that comes with doing it yourself. Um, maybe I guess in the recording or the mixing, how would you, what's your opinion on that?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of great on both sides. Um, I I think the downfall, um, of doing it yourself is just that without being surrounded by people who push you or think differently, you sort of are so close to the songs, you don't hear them any other way. We call it demoitis. It's like they never grow, right? They, it's like you're so used to the demo that if someone said, do it this way, a lot of people were like, no, no, I can't change. This is the song, mm-hmm. right? So there's like an environment of if it's just you or, or you and your friends, I hear the songs all sounding the same. Like if the guitarist writes all 10 songs, it's the same style. I can hear after song three or four, like, yeah, I get it. And these are the four chords you know, and this is the tempo you stay at, and this is the key you like to write in. And it becomes kind of boring. So one aspect of being around people in the studio are people normally who you might not be around, who are musical people, uh, maybe different influences, maybe the same, but just so fresh to it. They say, hey, you ever think about doing that? Or you ever think about writing it this way? As a fan of music, I'd like to hear it. I would buy the record if it did this kind of thing. I I think there's a lot of that, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's a pro to, um, you know, not doing it yourself and doing your instrument or singing whatever without having to think about 50 other things. It's a real challenge to make sure that you're giving a soulful performance and all in and sort of, you can't close your eyes and drift off into the song when you're trying to look at meters and what's clipping and technique. And, and so, you know, when anybody tries to do too many things, some things suffer, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the fact of, you know, the human element of, I, I can't, you know, I can't be at two places at once. It just, mm-hmm. something's going to suffer. Um, I think the other, the biggest pro uh, or one of the biggest pros um in a real studio, meaning that a place that was designed acoustically for music, you, you can't beat it. Half of the issues that you get at home and stuff go away. A lot of it is the environment, the issues of the environment. I can't tell you how many uh, home recordings, and they're great songs, and actually they were recorded, technique-wise, they were recorded pretty well, but they were handcuffed from the beginning. I hear air conditioners going on, someone's dog barking in the backyard. Like once you hit it with compression and bring stuff forward, all the sort of flaws come out. You can hear, uh, you know, sort of cheap converters and preamps. And when I say cheap, it's like very thin and cold. There's no character to it. There's no roundness. It's really square signal. you know, because a lot of people are just going right into a sound card still. It's, you know, it's just not really good. Um, and they don't get that it's the sum of the parts. So I went out and spent three grand on a U87 and they're terrible because it sounds the same as my $300 mic. It's like, well, because it's in the same room and the same interface and the same. It's, you know, you're, you're, uh, worst part of the signal is really only the best it's going to come out right it's it's just like any team right your your weakest link in the team is really as strong as your team's going to be because it brings everything else down Mm -hmm. um the the pros of it is obviously you have 24 7 access to when you get an idea you can roll out of bed plug in and record it And and if it's a keeper or not you just You know, you you have that ability. Now, growing up, we did, too, with a four-track. We've always had, you know, cassette four-tracks and things, and and they were known as demo machines and, like, oh, these were just working out the songs before we go to a studio. So I kind of think it's always been around, home recording, but I think the mentality is different. I I think a lot of that has to do with marketing. I see so many... um, you know, so many things like with Pro Tools and Logic and stuff like Sam Ash will have a seminar on Saturday morning and to, so they can sell Pro Tools units and they'll have this incredibly mixed and mastered song and they just say, oh, you, you do this, this and this and this is what it sounds like. And they didn't tell you that that demo song was mixed on a million dollar SSL and, you know, you had these killer players playing it and that's really a lot of it right is if you have someone who can play very well in a really nice sounding room, wherever you put a mic is going to be good. Almost it's, Mm -hmm. it's that combination, right. Of like, you need to play really well. I I see with the home stuff. I think there's not a lot of lessons. Like if someone comes in here and they plug in the guitar and I say, did you intonate that? Or do you have fresh strings or hey what about no 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 i just took it off the wall at guitar center it's brand new it's like hmm. uh like it's not set up for recording like yeah. i think there's this um back when we were recording there was a stage of writing rehearsing playing out and recording and recording was at the top of your game you know playing out if the show is high energy it could be a little off or sloppy or whatever the energy and the vibe covers it. And I know I've seen a lot of shows I thought were terrific and then saw videos of them a month or two later and said, I don't remember it like that kind of yeah. sucked Yeah. because it was the environment and the community and all that stuff. Right. Um, and we know, you know, playing in a basement with all the echo that sort of blurs everything together. You can't really hear what your singer sounds like if you have a small PA system and, all you hear is symbols bashing in your ears, you know. Yeah, yep. So I think now the mentality is like, oh, it's all the same. We we write in the basement, we record in the basement, we play basement shows, and it, it's all the same. Instead of this next level, like, how do we we got to be better? That we're trying to get out of the basement, not stay in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's part of marketing, right? And, and not everyone. This is like these seem like blanket statements. There's a lot of really, you know great people who understand and and you know achieve that and maybe it's financial that they don't end up in the studio but it doesn't mean you can't make a great record at home i'm not a guy that preaches against you can't i'm just saying there's a certain level that it sort of stops like there, you can make a good record at home but is it going to beat something from a major label no right i just
0: think it's and harder it's i think it's entirely possible but it's just really hard to to like hit that same level like for instance like it billie eilish much. like she does a lot of her stuff they did it like in her room in california they it
1: did but a lot of that stuff is electronic so there's no room that you're dealing with in a sense of acoustic instruments and stuff like that right, but you know they, right. they 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 don't mention that they got a million dollar engineer to finish it right so there's a lot of stuff in the beginning where they're like oh we did this on our home well sure i mean you know i could go to my pro tools unit in my basement and record a guitar amp but if i sent it to chris lord algae it's not going to be my basement production anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah And, and, and so i think there's this half truth about it like it was tracked here but it's like you start looking up who mastered the record, who mixed it, they reamp stuff. So it's like, no, maybe you got the DI signal, but that's almost like playing a a keyboard. There's no room, there's no whatever. And then all of a sudden it goes to a big studio through, you know, this huge setup and they have time to experiment. And, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, that you can't do it at home. I mean, it's hybrid. I, I think too many people assume it was a hundred percent done at home and they hail that and it, it's really hybrid. Yeah. You, you know, and, and sort of there's where the lines blur or what people seem to, to want to believe is sort of, you'll never know how much was really done there and not no matter what they even say. Yeah. Um, it, it was the same account that someone came in here before and they said, oh man, you know, Eminem made like $10 million off that single. I said, the only one that knows that is his accountant. Like, how is that a fact? <laughs> like, you don't know how much he's made. It's like, where did you get that information from? And it's like, oh, somebody who was his bodyguard said it on YouTube. And it's like, it gets all watered down, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think some of this stuff is like, you know, yeah, they they recorded a lot of stuff in the bedroom, but what – what made it from there what was re-recorded what was mixed and by who and it was put it was it's such a you know super hybrid thing you can't point to one side or the other and say that was responsible for the success or the failure
0: yeah, yeah. but
1: it definitely you know um i always still say like you know the record labels would love to go to someone's basement and spend two hundred bucks to make a hit record and make millions. They still use the big studios. Yeah. Um maybe they still lesson, they, you know. They maybe know. that's
0: it? maybe that's a good lesson for people who want to take it more seriously that they shouldn't be afraid to find ways to upgrade their sound, you know, whether that be the the mixing or the mastering. If that's you know if that's the case then they sh- if they want to be serious, then they should look into ways that they can uh work with better people, like you're saying, because that's uh that's important. Yeah. And that's so much better, different, right? It's more about difference, too. Like, better
1: is an opinion, but and yes, there's the masses' opinion that one guy, one thing is better than the other, could kind of turn into a fact, but you, you can't argue if someone said, no, I don't think it's better. You can't really argue that, right? It's sort of a, a personal what you, you get from it, yeah. But you know, like to me, uh, like the acoustics that that science, like, if you hear drums in someone's bedroom or garage or basement versus in a proper drum room, you're not getting weird overtones and masking and these off-time echoes and, and all that stuff. So to me, a band with DI stuff, you can cut vocals at home very easily. You can cut a bass DI very easily. You can cut Guitars with guitar sims or, you know, get your little uh, combo amp and face it into a closet in a 57 and that's a great sound. Right. But I would say track your drums in a studio because most people won't have, you know, um, 15, 20 input space for room mics and, and, and ambient mics and they won't have the amount of compressors that you need on the way coming in. Um, They won't have accurate monitoring to even hear if the drums are sort of out of tune or how they're hitting. So I would say track your drums in a really nice room with a really experienced person, because if you don't have big, solid, exciting drums, you have no mix. Right. Like because drums are really the only instrument that gets a crowd moving uh i could hear a wonderful singer and say wow i appreciate that that's beautiful i could hear someone playing guitar and say wow great but when someone starts playing the drum kit you start moving your head starts going it's it's the yeah. only you know it's that thing so if you have really good drums and you have a decent vocal track you, it, it's sort of unfortunate because i'm a guitarist um or i started out as a guitarist um it doesn't matter what the guitar and bass is doing in one aspect unless it's a guitar driven band, unless you're, you know, Dragon Force or, you know, Steely Dan or something like that. But really if the, if the drums are big, tight and exciting and the vocalist has something to say and he has a style and some kind of, you know, whatever, uh, you know, a quirky vocal or something just that is unique and catches your ear. It doesn't matter what's happening. That's filling the middle. It's really people can lock onto the beat and they will memorize the word. To me, that's the two biggest things is like, you know, what's the message? What's someone saying? And how does that beat make me feel? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and, how, and then, with, you know, we can have a bunch of instruments playing. Doesn't seem like a song. As soon as the drums come in and glue everything together and sort of make the roadmap to the riffs, now it becomes a song. So, yeah. I would say to to people that would be my advice is you know, get great drum tracks, really great drum tracks, and uh if you have a good drummer who can play tight to a click track, it wouldn't take you that long at all you know I've seen guys in three or four hours bang out five or six really killer drum tracks, so it's like for two three hundred dollars man like you can't get that sound in your, your, your basement.
0: Yeah. As long as and, they're and prepared,
1: if you try to right, as long as they're prepared and they come in with this mindset of like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I should get this out of, you know, three, four takes maximum. And they could, you know, they could bang out a song an hour
0: yeah. and,
1: um, you know, have access to people helping them, uh, you know, Tune the kit and um, have a selection of microphones that you might not have or as many inputs, uh, be in a nice balanced room, have ambient mics if you need them and room mics. And I think there's all kinds of, you know, um, benefits to that. And also the benefit of recording it in a different space. On the record, the drums will sit differently. So that may be the big part of your record recording in a bedroom the amps will sort of be only as big as the room so all of a sudden your amps are small but they're up front so the guitars are in your face but the drums spread out you have a really good sense of depth and width. it's just a really good combination yeah you know we record stuff in our we record guitar amps in our you know vocal booth because of that like if everything is big nothing is big right so we want contrast we want that sort of thing you know and and so you know um, if you're recording at home in the same space try to record something in a different space and that will make things interesting you can almost hear the space
0: yeah I, I always think you can it's like even if you record the same close track mic sound in one room move it over to another room and it just sounds different immediately you know it's crazy um i'm curious oh, yeah um hey. your your entire opinion on like the sonics of a record do you have any additional advice on like what makes the sonics of a record really good like how do you get like a a really good sound on your your new record per se like what what are the key elements like i know you said drum sound is really big
1: Right, so the biggest key element in any record um, is balance, right? Balancing the frequency spectrum and balancing when everybody's playing and not playing, right? Um, Letting the song breathe. A lot of people overplay, right? Instead of play for the good of the song. It's almost like, look at me, look at me. Or if I'm mixing the drummer saying, turn me up, turn me up. It's like, it's not about you. It's about the song. Right. Right? Right. So I say serve the song, serve the song like is my big thing. Like, and, and if it should sound like your guitar amp was in a trash can outside and echoey and terrible, like if that's what you're going for, commit to it and make sure it's the coolest thing you were trying to do or the trashiest thing. As long as it serves the emotion of the song and you're thinking of the song as a whole. Um, too many people are looking at their part, um, like I said, um, but balance, right? Um, I hear a lot of home mixes, um, and it might be because of maybe because of a um, monitoring system and the room is sort of fooling them. It, it doesn't translate. So there's a lot of holes in the mix, and things aren't balanced. Um, and sometimes that really is caused with the writing you know it's like there's a lot of masking or too many people doing the same thing
0: you know it's almost like um, how do you improve on uh, that Keeping off the uh, what's that how do you improve on that though like if you maybe that is your issue i'm I'm sure that's the issue with me because i find myself questioning almost everything i make like how do you how do you improve on that songwriting aspect you know if you want to make that better for the whole mix to have that balance
1: um, sometimes it's a group effort of playing less or being aware of if, if I play here, nobody else plays here. If I go up, you go down. It, it's sort of like if you have a keyboard player and you want to say, Hey, from, uh, this key to this key, that's the bass player's job. You have no business being in there. Let the bass breathe, let him have a spot, mm-hmm. you, you know? Um, and, and sometimes for a keyboard Player with a full band, it's tough because the guitar is in the mids and the vocals in the mids and the bass has some of the low and the top end of the keyboard's too bright and pingy, and they, they want to play that sort of middle because it it, it attacks everybody's ear. You, you know, but it, it is that sort of balancing, and that's arrangement, right? That's nothing but song arrangement. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, hey, if I'm if if you're gonna, you know, like. If I'm playing it's like stacking vocals the same way. You're not going to stack the same vocal nine times. You're going to stack maybe two or three unisons. You're going to do the third, the fifth, an octave up, an octave down. You're going to have a backup vocalist who is different than you. So the tone and texture and style is different, even though it's tight. And it's like the sum of the parts. It's like a million layers that equal one thing. But a million layers shouldn't sound like a million layers. It should just sound like one solid thing. Um, right, right. Songwriting, it, songwriting's like, the key.
0: It's um, it's like even if you have a track in there that you think is adding, but maybe it's not doing anything. Like it's not even a good track, but you think it should be there. It's really just taking away from the mix. Like if you don't like it in the first place, why is it even there?
1: It, it's eating up room. Yeah. Right, right. So I'm eating that room. It's confusing the listener and you'll say oh nobody likes us. It's like we'll take some elements out. Maybe the common non-musical person can now understand it and love it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. too complex for the year. Well,
0: I was listening to the first yeah. record that Led Zeppelin made like two nights ago and it was unbelievably simple. It was like two guitars, yeah. bass and drums and vocals. That's it. You know, it's like one of the greatest records ever. Because it's about
1: the people in the room playing it and the energy of they love those songs so much, it came out in the mix. You can hear that they were like, you know, had a blast playing them. They believed in the music. Mm -hmm. I think too many people are just because they have access to it. They just throw down a lot of stuff and on to the next, on to the next. And I think that's the social media aspect of things like oh gotta drop a single every friday or no one's gonna look at me and it's like nobody cared about that they cared about making good records yeah instead of having a million okay songs have one great one and that's all you really need for people Mm -hmm. to start looking at
0: you (laughs) right right you know well it's like Um, i feel like you might have mentioned this to me earlier too when i was in class but it was like would you rather be known for making one really really good thing? or be known for the person who always does the cheap stuff. That's always doing the bad stuff, but maybe you're doing it consistently, but you're not the level of quality that you want to be, or, you know, you don't make the type of records that you really wanted.
1: Right. And, and I also think too many people stay in their own lane and they're afraid to do or listen to what they don't know. Like they, they don't really explore, you know, you're, you're a young guy in the indie rock scene, listening to, a whole plethora of stuff led zeppelin records and this and maybe classical music and this and, and it's like and you get ideas from everywhere right so yeah, yeah. i really think you know people don't i i think people just sort of stay in their lane too much even if it's like oh i make the same kind of record i use the same snare drum and logic on the drum machine because it's good it's like well use a bad one and make the bad one cool Like it's, it's always so, um, I don't know. I see a lot of guys with a thousand plugins and use the same six. You know what I mean? Like they're afraid to sort of do something out of the box and maybe it's an acceptance thing or maybe it's like, Oh, no one's going to give me a like on social media if they don't understand it. I I don't know. I, I really think it's sort of the way that social media drives everybody that's um, it's more important to get sort of someone liking it uh, visually than just sort of, I don't care if anyone likes it, I like it. You, you know, <laughs> like right. that was always the thing that I guess with our band, it wasn't popular music. We weren't, you know, we knew, hey, if we played this style of music, there's like no women knocking at our door and there's nobody <laughs> throwing money at us. And dro- yeah. it was just like, I'm into this and I don't what anybody thinks and then when you're into it so much you'd be surprised at how many people you connect with that are the same way next thing you know you're playing in front of tens of thousands of people that you didn't know existed because you went a different path and there's a lot of people i think craving something new
0: yeah i totally agree Um, and i think a lot of that comes down to a principle about faith in yourself and like just just believe like believing in yourself that like the music yeah. you're making actually can be something great. And if you just give up on yourself so quickly, maybe yeah. you weren't meant for this in the first place. Cause you never believed in it. You know, it's like uh, even though my record, no one's going to hear it when we put it out, we know that we put our hearts into it and that it gave us, gave off this feeling or emotion that uh, we intended. And that's kind of key. Just like having that belief.
1: Yeah and, and I think there's a lot of people who are going to listen to it and you'll never know that. Right? Um I remember playing shows and people coming up to us like, "Man, I listen to your record every day. Your CD hasn't left my car in 3 months." And I was like, "Huh. You know, like that that's odd. I would never think that." Yeah. Like <laughs> you don't know how your your you know, your soundtrack is going to affect somebody you don't know what someone's going through that connects with the emotional you know the music you put out you know and and you'll never connect with that person it's so weird that there's groups i listen to faithfully i love their stuff their stuff means so much to me they don't know that they'll never know it they'll never meet me and i'm not the kind of guy that will put it on social media and pour my heart out like this this is this it's like it's a personal thing. It's a private thing. Like, this is my record. This is my record when I'm happy. I go to this one when I'm depressed. I go to this one when I'm angry and it helps me through these times. And and those artists don't know anything about that.
0: Yeah. Right. You know,
1: so, so I wouldn't undersell yourself. Um, I think when you put it out into the, uh, you know, I'm into like the law of attraction and all that stuff. I think if you put out a record that you believe and it will reach the people it needs to reach and they will love it and you will you know inspire someone to play music or inspire someone to produce a record in that same style or inspire someone to just uh or help someone get out of a bad rut or whatever and you'll never even know that what it's doing for someone it, it is medicine music is the, is medicine
0: yeah i totally agree with that so i have th- i have those same songs myself fans yeah definitely yeah and that's probably
1: some guy who wrote it on his bed on an acoustic guitar that has no idea that you jam that record 50 hours a week and it's maybe uh, saved you a few times right that is
0: <laughs> that is far that is unbelievably true right there that's yeah, yeah. that's exactly the scenario that's like very accurate actually
1: <laughs> i think it's accurate for a lot of people maybe they don't admit it maybe they can't see how powerful it what it did for them but i think that's true with from day one because yeah. music wouldn't have survived this long if it wasn't that powerful
0: right right it just has that you know, I, mean, I mean i think bruce it, sweden said the the michael jackson uh, engineer guy yeah. bruce sweden i think he said like music is magic you know like it's yeah. he believes that unfortunately it, bruce just passed away yeah i've been watching all of his stuff because of it and, and he's just an amazing guy and engineer and it's just hearing his principles on music and what he believes in and how like he said that like that's one of his things that music is magic you know it's it's true it is it
1: is you know the the worst day at the studio to me is better than the best day somewhere else um definitely 99% of the time you know <laughs> if the roof is leaking and i need a ten thousand dollar roof i probably you know think differently about it but uh right right you, I, I, you know it's it is that way though and Just to be around people to share their music. Like they're opening their diary. Like, so when you can get that intimate with someone and they trust you that much to come in with no inhibitions, say what they have to say, play how they're going to play, good or bad, and they're just like, wow, it's great. Doesn't mean a million people are going to like it. It's great in a way that it served their soul, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of pivoting off of that into a slightly different area about your studio itself, um, you've been able to last a lot longer than plenty of studios that have unfortunately closed down. Why do you think that is? And mm-hmm. like, what attracts people to to your space? And how do you, I don't know, how do you keep this name up and how do you keep afloat?
1: So, you know, I don't know, man. I I, I think uh, I mean, yeah. There's all the typical hard work, the grind, whatever people say, right? But I think it's treating people well, being open-minded, having it a place that you can come in and be yourself and there's no judgment. I don't care what kind of, you know, if you can play, if you can't play, if you're, as long as you're like a a good person, I don't know. There's a lot of studios that treat you like a dollar bill. And yes, we need to make money. It's how I make a living and keep the doors open. But You know, they almost lost the magic. To me, I'm almost 50 years old, but I still feel like I'm 15. I get excited about records and play air guitar with my daughter. And so I never (laughs) lost the love of making a record or being around people who make records or playing myself. Like, I think there's this thing that people feel that. A lot of people tell me, I love the vibe here. When I come in, it's just like, you're into it, man. And I go to other studios and there's just like, yeah, come in, plug in here. It's almost like a template, like a routine. Yeah. Um, I pride myself on never making the same record twice, you know, um, right now, I mean, we have currently in the studio, we have, which is interesting. We're doing a podcast with uh, Justin Bieber's psychologist, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and he also is a psychologist to a couple of other people. Um, Famous people in the music industry, and he's doing a, a, a podcast. So we're doing that. I have a death metal band currently in right now. I have uh, you know some really you know popular funk uh, bands from the seventies in. I'm mixing a lot of Motown stuff. Um, we do television shows here. We've done stuff for a lot of stuff for Disney, Cartoon Network, Nat Geo, Food Network. So I think there's not a lot of people that have a diverse catalog and um you know we take all the stuff that we do for all these types of audio projects if it's corporate stuff if it's um you know audio books and things like that training video stuff or if it's uh you know fun you know animated cartoon shows if it's death metal bands and incorporate that into other people's sort of project mm-hmm. and uh try never to make the same record twice uh if I did something on the guitar from the previous band and someone says, I really like what you did with their guitar. Can you do that with mine? I said, no, you know, the fans deserve better for you to have an original song. I'm not going to serve them the same thing over and over and over again. So I really care about, first of all, I care about the people that come in. I have a connection with them. Everyone that comes in ends up being like my friend. And that's how I view them, not as a customer, but like as somebody who I'm honored to get to that you allow me to touch your music. Because I know music is the most important thing in their life. I'm, I'm honored. So I treat it with respect. Um, I treat people with respect. I am open to any ideas. There's no ego. I don't have to be the man or I could give advice I could do as much as you want or as little as you want and I, I think people find it to be a, a safe place. Um, it's everything that I hated about making records I said I'm going to do the opposite and, <laughs> and I ended up opening a place and doing the opposite.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I remember what you telling us in class like the the way you kind of grew into the scene and the studios it was very high pressure. And very, yeah, like, yeah, you had to know your shit, or you were gonna like get kicked out or something like that, you know?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Do you think it, that even helps playing. at all, or no?
1: Um, I, I, well, I think it was a different generation, too, and we grew up differently. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of people now, I, I hate to say it, couldn't handle that situation. Mm. Uh, I see people literally, we had this big, burly guy with this giant beard and tattoos all over his face and everything looks like he was straight out of prison crying. Cause he, he couldn't play this power chord. Right. You, you know, <laughs> and, and wasn't embarrassed about it. And, and I just came from maybe, a, I don't, I hate to say tougher generation, but it was like you'd watch one play and you'd say, I want to get better than them or I shouldn't be doing this at all. And quit and go do something else. There's too many people. I think that are just okay with, getting by and being okay you know so there's
0: no drive um, for achievement greatness yeah everybody gets a trophy right
1: instead of you're not allowed to tell someone they suck now right so it it was it's I think it's less competitive Mm -hmm. and I think um, also there was there was shame as a band and as an engineer on copying someone's style like if someone comes in and say, here's a record, I want it to sound exactly like this. Say, well, that's their record. That's their way, their emotion. That's their, like, there's, there's people are too okay with that. I've seen a band come in and the bass player said, oh, I'm going to let the guitar player play all my parts um, because he's probably better at it than me. And I say, that doesn't bother you? It's like, no, no. As long as it sounds good on the record, I can say I'm the bassist. And there's that that really bothered me about what happened to like earning it. Like you're the bassist yeah. because you're a kick-ass bassist, not because uh, you chipped in for the demo. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I think that competitiveness it may still be around somewhat, but I think it's just a, everything is different now. I think it's a little yeah a little PC, and, and uh, you know, in some ways that might be good. Um, in some ways it, it's probably not so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, think, uh, part of that too, like going back to why we we been open so long? Like, you know, it's a service industry. We serve everybody and treat them with respect and handle their art with, you know, you know, how we should, uh, being, you know, some people are, you know, like, um, finicky and just whatever the case may be. It's the skill set. I mean, mixed a lot of records. We know a lot about how to make these uh, rooms sound good and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stuff to it, man, but you know, we always strive to make things better um, with technology even here or just way we do stuff. Uh, I always give more than I take. You spend 10 hours, I'll say, yeah, oh, let's call it eight. Let's call it seven. I never forgot about being on the other side of the glass where I was in a broke band and I'm not saying all the bands are broke, but I was in a broke band and we wanted to be serious and wanted high quality. And we only had what we had. And I never, I kind of give back to the music community however I can in that kind of way. Like, you know, I should be charging you more, but I'd rather you have a record than me have a few extra dollars. And right. Some of that word gets out because they're like, no, that's the music guy. That's not a business owner.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> it's a, a yeah. I mean, it shows that you actually care, which is extremely important. You know, it's like, that's how you build oh, trust. Do. And if you spend a dollar or a
1: million, I'll treat you the same. And, and I put in just as much effort, you know, and, and I don't think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of a mentality is like, well, they only paid this. So I'm not going to work that hard. Or what do you expect for this amount of money? they expect greatness because they want, you know, it was their dream to go somewhere and you don't want to let down that dream. It was, it's sort of like you ever meet somebody. And I'm not saying that we're, we're famous or any of the studio guys are famous around here. There are some, but it's like, you ever meet a famous person and like the the fantasy was better than the reality. Cause it's like, you tried all your life to meet them yeah. and they're jerk off when you meet them and you're like, damn, it kind of crushed me. And like, I don't want people to save up if it's a dollar a million. I don't want people to save up and come in here and be crushed. Like that's what it is to go to the studio. A guy that's just pushing a button, looking at his cell phone, who doesn't care. You know, a guy that says, Oh, you know, you ran out of money. So it looks like you're only going to have half a record. Like I do such the opposite of that. And I know where it hits the streets because some people have mentioned that to me. Like I came here because a friend of mine said, that you hooked them up when you didn't have to. They're a stranger. They're this. You treated them like gold. So they are gold. They're a person. They're like an artist, you know? Um, you never know um, how you can affect someone. You never know what their day is like. Coming in right. here should be an escape for somebody. Bad day at work, I go in the studio, and I forget about all the bills I owe and how I'm behind on my car payment, and how my boss is on my ass. This should be an escape. So when they come in here and it's not an escape because the guy is like lazy or kind of, and, you know, arrogant or whatever, that shouldn't be. That's not, that's not a, a place to create art. So I think yeah. that mentality um, has kept us open because there's a lot of talented people and there's a lot of people who can get a big loan and have a building and buy all kinds of equipment but it doesn't mean that they respect the craft or the people doing it or they can relate to it. Um, you know, and you'll see that with anything. I believe, you know, there's a different vibe at a restaurant when the chef is the owner versus a bunch of the lawyers that had money, just bought a place and said, we can make more money. Yeah. It's very stiff and stale. There's, there's no soul
0: into it. Right. Right yeah I so, completely agree. It's like that human connection, that trust without that you know there's there's no reason to be there yeah
1: I, I always said you know if I had enough money not to charge, I would never charge people. I'd just be excited that you're allowing me to work with you on any level you, you know the money thing is just so we can continue to do this with more people It's really all it is if if I had millions of dollars and I could cover the rent for the next 20 years and whatever, I wouldn't charge at all. Yeah. It's not about (laughs) the money to me. Right. You know, um, you, you put out money making these great records. It's never with the intention of, Oh, we're going to make a million dollars off this record. It's like, I have to make a record. It's what I do. It's who I am. Right. Uh, right. Even if nobody hears it, I have to make this. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's, that's what I do here. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's
1: uh and we try to make it at the highest level that we can.
0: Right. I think that's the most important thing is like having that belief that you're always going to do this yep. cuz you you make music and that's what you believe in and that's what I think that's what takes it to the top, you know, compared to other people or other bands or other engineers who just are just pushing buttons or just, you know, going through the motions or the template.
1: Yeah, this is the way I can make money. Not this is the way I'd like to, you know, it's almost like I'm out of options.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But you see right. a lot of people in jobs like that too. That's not just this industry. You see a lot of people that are burned out or bitter about a certain industry, but they still do it because what else can they do?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you only live one life. You might as well go for the stuff you like. Yeah, exactly. It it, go, it goes by in a blink of an eye. Right. That's pretty much everything I had. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to to say or talk about?
1: No, not really. Um, You know, uh, no. I mean, I think everybody should be doing their thing. I think no one should ever tell you 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 can't do that. If if you never produced a record and say, I'm going to produce my record, and someone says, Oh, you don't know music theory and you can't play, you never produced, you can't do that. Just do it. Just every great thing came from some crazy idea or, you know, like, don't give up. You know, if, if everyone gave up on a crazy idea, we wouldn't have cell phones and, and rocket ships and all this stuff, yeah. you know?
0: I agree. So, for me, it's know, like, the it ideas, like the crazier idea. Is. idea. And I was just going to say the crazier yeah. the idea is for me, it's kind of like the more reason I want to do it because it's such yeah. a insanely awesome goal. and It just inspires me yeah. like crazy.
1: And there's someone out there that that song will serve well. You know, there is, there's, you know, millions and millions and millions of people. It's like it's going to connect with somebody. And, and sort of that's all I'm ca- I care about about my productions. I don't care about the 10,000 people who didn't like my song. I cared about the one person that did. That was more satisfying that one person. It, it helped them or changed their life or just made their day better than sort of the other people who didn't care about it, you know? Um, Right, right. And and I feel like that about making records. Like, let's make a record. And as long as it sounds like you and your personality, isn't it? It's a great record because you're a great person. And people, the people who will catch on are the people worth catching on. Anyone else who doesn't get it, it doesn't matter. Like, they'll never get it it's like it can't serve everyone it has to serve a certain kind of person mm-hmm. you know um and if you're doing it really like truly from like the heart so to say From like heart, no yeah. compromise not trying to add parts because it's going to grab a different you know an extra 10 people like you just got to serve yourself you know stay true to yourself do what you do it's a harder road but it's a more loyal road i, I think it's a uh, the people who are fans of like what you do or what I do, they're, they're fans forever. Like we have so much repeat business. There are people that come in here that say like, they will never go anywhere else. And sometimes I believe it's not because there isn't anyone that's better or there isn't a place that's cooler. I, I just think there is a connection, right? We've gone through this together. We've made records together. We sort of grew up together. Um, so I feel you can, you know, have a strong impact no matter what
0: you put out with the right people. Right. That's amazing. And one last thing I thought of before we go, uh, what's like the biggest myth, for instance, uh, for uh, recording or mixing that you always hear that's just false or just wrong or or like hits you so hard that you just want to slap someone? Like what's, what's something you hear like that, that you just, it's just not true?
1: Oh man, you know there 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 could be you know it's funny there could be a lot of them, um, but then there's an instance where it would work. It's really hard to you know like it's like someone saying you could never do that, and there's one guy that says I did it.
0: Never say never. So it's really weird. Um, The myth. So
1: yeah, that that's that's a hard one. Um, I I would say. The myth is that it's easy, Hmm. right? It's really hard to mix a record. It's really hard to be a great editor. It's really hard to be a great song arranger. It's really hard, you know, um, these tools don't add passion. Uh, Auto-tune can't fix someone who can't sing. Like, you know, there's, there's, I really think that what people, like, it's really hard. Because when people say, oh, I've been recording for a long time, like six months, and I listen to all these demos, it's like, but put that up against your favorite record. It's nowhere near, Yeah, <laughs> you know, because it's hard. It's right. very hard. Right, right. You, you know, um, and I think that's true with everything, right? Everyone who plays a power chord says, I'm a guitarist, but... To to me, it's, it's like, well, you can play a few notes, but, you know, it's really hard to be Clapton and B.B. King and Steve Vai. And, like, you know, it's like
0: yeah. you
1: just can't learn that in six months um, from some kind of app that's, you, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's a lifelong thing that you learn. It's like a journey. Like, you're always learning. You're always striving to be better. You're always... You know, you never say I'm pretty good at this, like the day you do, I think it's over when you start, stop chasing like the thing, you know?
0: Right. Right. It's uh, almost so like, I you
1: just...
0: yeah, I totally agree. It's like you just want to value progress and learning and trying new stuff rather than calling it quits. Cause you did it once and saying you're great. Right.
1: And, and I think that's, uh, an easy thing or a, a thing that people do with everything you know, like um, because you're not doing the job or you're not doing it right or or proper. Like someone could say, oh man, he just works at Walmart. That's pretty easy. Well, I don't know. Go work there for a week and then have that statement, right? Like, and that's what I'm saying about it. All records are easy to make. It's like, it's a lot of science, a lot of math, a lot of patience, a lot of psychology with trying to get people to do what they need to do and wrangling them all up and all kinds of different kind of people. Um, there's, there's a lot to it that I think more than just uh, plugging a guitar into an interface and bringing up some software and say, Oh, that's a song. Uh, it is a song, but I, I, we go much deeper than that. We get to really know the person, really get in their head, find out, What was so powerful or in a good or bad way that made them write a set of lyrics or pick up an instrument said man i got to get this out of my body i just need to play like it's therapy so if you're not making a record i think for therapy um i I think the perception of oh it's easy i have some pre-made loops and this and that and this i have a song and everyone loves it on youtube that's uh i'm chasing something different i guess
0: yeah that's, so that's good. It's
1: not easy to make a record, no matter what the technology is, and no matter how much it you know it can do for you, it's it's still not easy, you know?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I feel like I'm only at ten or fifteen percent of what my true highest potential could be in terms of making records, making a great sound, making something unique. I know it could be I'm I'm sure everyone's like this. It could be so much better than where it currently is. You just have to be willing to learn, try new stuff and uh, kind of expand your horizons.
1: Yeah. So I think if you uh, keep that, you'll be successful. Once you say, I'm pretty good at this and let your guard down. It's over. I think you stop learning. You get stale, you get old, people fly by you. I think you always have to chase that like, every day I'm going to kill myself. Every day is the last day. Every day, like I'm going to slave over this record. I'm going to learn. I'm going to absorb. Like, I think that's, that's a really good, like I always think I have a thousand more things to learn. Um, and so I chased it. The day I say, well, I know all the tricks. I'll just rest on that. And people will come here and I'll just give them, you know, what I do. And I think it's over.
0: Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that's, that's why you're still in business and still doing your thing.
1: You know, I was a growing up, I was a huge uh, influence on me on guitar was Randy Rhodes, right? Uh, I was, you know, born in the seventies, grew up in the eighties and and Randy Rhodes was the thing uh, to me. I didn't connect with a Hendrix and stuff like that. Randy Rhodes was my idol and a lot of people's idols. And the thing about Randy, he was one of the greatest guitar heroes at that time. And I read the story that every town they rolled into he'd take a guitar lesson and he may take a guitar lesson from someone who's been teaching for six months and they're his you know that to me was the awesome thing that no matter that he was the greatest on the planet in most people's opinions he felt i could still learn something off someone doing this for a week or a million years it was being humble being open-minded And just saying, like, just because you haven't done it as long or just because you don't have the accolades, like, what do you know? I might be doing something for 20 years, but I could be doing it the hard way. You walk in and say, why do you do it like this? You should do it this way. And I say, wow, I never thought of it that way, right? And so that I thought, that's how I try to live in the studio. is like Randy Rhodes, man, like anyone that comes in and says, Oh, I, I record at home. So show me what you do. Let me talk about it. Well, why would you want to know? Why wouldn't I? All right? A technique's a technique. Yeah. Y- you know, it's like, even if I think it's horrible, I could maybe um, analyze it and say, well, you got something. You're on something. Or, hey, if I need a horrible sounding thing, I'm going to use your trick. Maybe you don't mean <laughs> it to sound horrible, but it's like, yeah. you know, every, every, it's just a sound. Right? So... It's like, wow, that sounds kind of gnarly, but I may need a gnarly sound. I'm going to put that in my catalog of like, hey, we could use this mic and do it this way and point it in a weird way and do what you're not supposed to do. And that's the thing we need. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I always do that. That's great. Yeah. So surround yourself with all skill levels and be open-minded and everyone's input and opinion matters because they may have something that is a Eureka moment for you. It might be the missing part of something you almost have figured out and can't get the last step. And someone says, I just do this. And you're like, Oh, there it is. That's going to, that's, that's going to be part of my thing now.
0: Right. Right. You never
1: know. I treat everybody uh, equally. You know, if you did it a day or if you've done it a lifetime, everybody has, some kind of something to add, some value to add to whatever you're doing.
0: Hmm. Totally agree the with that. The knows everything. Right. That's all awesome. I have. Like I literally have a million other questions I want to ask you, but for time's sake, I'll, I'll end it now, but maybe on another yeah. call, we could, we could do this again. <laughs> uh, it's so much stuff I want that would to talk be cool about. or just, What's or that? you
1: can swing by one day and just talk.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're busy, right? You got a lot of projects.
1: We are. Yeah, we are so slammed. I, I have eight songs on four different projects to mix this week. I have bands in here. I have podcasts going. It's, it's really nice and uh, it's great, but I always have time for people too. Um, you know, that's, that's important to me. You, you, you gave me a platform here. You gave up an hour and a half tonight of your time to listen to me. So I could find definitely an hour for you to swing by and try to answer what you have on your mind.
0: Huh. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Once
1: again, it's that two-way street thing, man. You know what I mean? It's it's always a two-way street here. We I always have time for people who have time
0: for me. That's great. I appreciate that. That's a really good no mindset problem. to have too. No problem. Um, yeah. So I think I'll just, I'll end it now, but thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for having me on man good luck with the show good luck with the new record Um, thank you and uh you know stay connected let's get
0: together yeah that that would be awesome that would be really good thanks great all All right take care see you all right thank you see you yeah and so that's it if you've listened this long thank you so much you're awesome you're cooler than most people out there Uh, I know this was a long one, but I think Jason had a lot to say and he had a lot of really good, important kind of old school points that I still think ring true today um, when it comes to song production, music and the scene in general. So, yeah, I mean, take what you can from that and get better and uh, see you on the next one. Peace.